You have tuned in to a study of Galatians here on the Radio Bible Course, and we welcome you to this study. If you have your Bibles, turn to the end of chapter 3 of Galatians. In the last paragraph of this epistle, Paul has been teaching the Galatian Christians that there's a new relationship now that they have believed in Christ, that while Jews were under an old covenant known as a custodian, it was the covenant that dealt with the law and the merit system, he said, now that the Christian faith has come, you are sons of God through faith, and you are no longer under a custodian, referring to the law. He wants them to know that they are free and should not be allowing anybody to impose that law of Moses upon them. And, of course, he's referring to the law, which includes the Ten Commandments. No, they are not under the Ten Commandments. They have something far better. It's the administration of grace. Now, this is God's design, and throughout this epistle, and as well as Colossians, Ephesians, 1 Timothy, and other epistles, this teaching is brought forth that Christians should not be under the law. They have something better, and something better that teaches them to deny ungodliness and to do good works. And if that's all new to you, you'll want to write this down, Titus 2, 11 through 13. That teaches the better way that God has a better way for Christians to live than the Jew had in the Old Testament, and it's the way he wants us to live. Now then, at the end of chapter 3, Paul writes, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's talking about union with him through faith. Then he said, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Why do you suppose he wrote that? Because the Jews were insisting there is a difference, that when you become a Christian, you should still be a Jew, and you need to be doing the things the Jews do. Paul said there is no distinction. We're all one in Christ. Becoming a Christian is not becoming a completed Jew. Becoming a Christian means that you abandon Judaism. It means that you come and you are a new creature in Christ. Too many people think that becoming a Christian is a supplement to Judaism and that you become one of God's Old Testament people. That's far from the truth. The New Testament teaches a whole new relationship when you believe in Christ. To save you from your sins, God gives you something that he never gave anyone in the Old Testament under the law. It's the spirit of truth to live in you. He was with them in the Old Testament. But today he is in you. And that's a promise of Jesus that comes out of John chapter 14, spoken to the apostles the night before Jesus was crucified. Now we come to the last passage of Galatians 3. It says, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Now this was an important teaching because the Jews were teaching, these Galatian Gentile Christians, 
that if they wanted to be heirs of Abraham, they needed to be circumcised like Abraham. And then they needed to keep the laws like the rest of Abraham's descendants did. So they caused some apprehension among these Galatian Christians who thought that perhaps they didn't have everything and perhaps Paul had not taught them the complete truth. If they needed the law, then they better get with it. They better get themselves circumcised and they better start keeping the laws of Moses, including the dietary laws and the ceremonial laws. Paul's purpose here then in verse 29 is to tell them, that since you are Christ, you belong to him by faith, you've been baptized into him, you are heirs according to promise because you are spiritual descendants or offspring of Abraham. You don't need Moses. You have the promises of Abraham. You have a direct connection to Abraham through faith. Now that's important and this is a conclusion. If you're one with Christ, you are related to the one to whom God gave the unconditional promise. Now, we need to be related to Abraham, not physically through circumcision, for there are many who have that natural relationship and it doesn't do them any good. It doesn't help them. And Romans chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, bring that out, and Paul recognized it in his day. He said, For they are not all Israel, who are descended from Israel, neither are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac, your descendants will be named. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. You see, Christ is the offspring of Abraham who brought blessing to all nations. And if you believe in him, then God has made you an heir of everything that was promised. Now consider this in regard to Romans chapter 9 verse 8, which says, It is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. This being the case... Don't think ever that whatever you do to the flesh will help you to become a child of God. The children of the flesh are not children of God. And if you put water on your body or put your body into water, that has to do with the flesh. That won't help you. And if you get yourself circumcised, that's something you're doing to the flesh. That won't help you. Any kind of a fleshly experience will not make you a child of promise. If you want to be a descendant of Abraham and an heir of God through Jesus Christ, then it has to be spiritual, not of the flesh. Now we come to chapter 4. It's about slaves and sons. And I'm going to read the first seven verses. Listen to what Paul writes. I mean that the heir... As long as he is a child, and notice the connection here between this and the previous verse in chapter 3, it would have been better if the chapter were not divided here. Let me read again verse 29 of the previous chapter and then flow right into this chapter. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir 
as long as he is a child, is no better than a slave, though he is the owner of all the estate. But he is under guardians and trustees until the date set by the father. So with us. When we were children, we were slaves to the elemental spirits of the universe. But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So through God you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Well, in this chapter, Paul continues to develop the idea of inheritance, which he introduced in chapter 3. What is an heir? What is an inheritance? An heir is a person who benefits from another's death. Nothing is gained from that person until his death takes place. Your name may be in a will, but it won't do you any good. You become an heir only upon the death of the one who made out the will. And what is an inheritance? It's something that comes without consideration of personal merit. No one asks you if you are an heir of someone, if you are worthy to be an heir. The court will not ask you if you deserve to get what was willed to you. The judge will not say, were you kind or obedient to the deceased? A will is something that is legal, and it's in the hands of the one who made it, and it has nothing to do with the merit of the person who is named in the will. Now, the inheritance is determined by the desire of the one making the testament, and we call him a testator, and so does the Bible. The benefits are the result of the work of the deceased, not of the heir. And in the common cases, the benefits come as a result of a relationship. It's not often that someone will name someone in a will who is not related to them. We will get a better grasp of what Paul is trying to say here, and this has to do with Roman and Greek custom, if we... We'll turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Here is a passage that talks about covenants, testaments, and wills. Now I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament, or will, is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood." In the following passages, he talks about the old covenant, the covenant made at Mount Sinai, that it was established with blood. For Moses took the blood of an animal and sprinkled it on the people and on the book and so forth. And his point is here that since the old covenant, referring to the 
one made at Mount Sinai, was established by blood, so the new covenant was ordained by blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, even though you have a will or a testament, it doesn't take effect until the death of the testator. Now think of what that is telling us, that God's plan for his church would not take effect until you had the death of the testator, the one who made the new covenant or the new testament. Now Paul is saying something similar here, and it's in the context of Roman society. That's what he's talking about at the beginning of chapter 4 when he talks about the child and being the owner of the estate, being under guardians and trustees until the date set by the father. Now, that's something we'll take up in our program tomorrow, but I do want to ask this question before we leave. Where is the eternal inheritance that Hebrews 9.15 talks about? It says that those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Friends, the eternal inheritance is in heaven, not down here. We are spiritual heirs, not Jews. Jews were promised an inheritance on the earth. But the church is not Israel. Our inheritance is in heaven. Have you heard of our booklet entitled, Heaven's Password? It will tell you what God expects of you in order to enter into his heaven. Write to the Radio Bible Course. The booklet is free. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.